The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I am delighted today to be joined by Erko Wood and Jeff Baker on the topic of innovation specifically and myth busting. What is it and how do we how do we make it work for our organizations? So I am your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf and Associates. I work as an executive advisor, a speaker, a coach, an author of an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead. And I am also on faculty as an adjunct in multiple universities in the US and also in Germany. So let me introduce Erko to you first. He's the founder and president of Reveal Growth Consultants. It is an innovation and growth strategy consulting firm that reveals ways to drive growth guaranteed and then helps clients actually implement the changes that they have identified. For nearly seven years prior to joining Reveal and founding Reveal, Erko was the Ohio lead for Stratagen Consulting, a pioneer and leader in job-to-be-done approach a systematic methodology for driving growth with an unprecedented 86% rate that has generated billions of dollars for clients. Erko earned a BA from Kenyon College and an MBA in marketing from the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. He is a contributing writer on growth strategy for the business journals and a certified Drexel Sibbett team performance facilitator, and he's also a veteran of the U.S. Navy. Now to talk about Jeff Baker. He's a seasoned leader with 20 years of experience in marketing strategy, new product development, customer insights, and innovation. In his current role, he leads the marketing insights function at NetJets, the world's largest private jet aviation company. Jeff is also the founder of IGI Group, a boutique consulting firm focusing on market research and insight and innovation management. Prior to founding the IGI Group, he spent 12 years at Microsoft, During his tenure, he helped launch several versions of Windows and led market research for Microsoft's mobile devices division. As a leader of their market research organization, he pioneered the development of the company's first strategic architecture for customer insights, which was adopted company-wide and significantly enhanced the role of market research discipline at the company. Jeff is a recognized thought leader with proven experience, partnering with executives to help their companies develop new organizational competencies and implement innovation, game-changing strategies. He earned a BS in molecular biology and an MBA in marketing from the University of Oregon. 
So now let's shift to why I'm doing the Innovative Leadership Program. In working with clients, what I've run into is leaders who are incredibly committed to doing the best work they can do end up investing all of their time moving their companies forward, and they often neglect to invest time also in moving their own careers forward and updating how they lead as part of their job function. And as this happens, really good people and good leaders end up being obsolete just like our mobile devices. We throw our mobile devices away, and yet we have leaders who've dedicated their careers to organizations, and my intent is to help all of us as leaders continue to update how we lead so that we can serve our communities, our families, and our organizations as the world is changing at a dramatically high rate. So my hope is that all of our listeners walk away with valuable information from each of these interviews that will help you directly or indirectly be more effective at your work. And again, also in your communities and families, because leadership doesn't happen only when we walk in the door at work. So from today, we want leaders to gain insight about the innovation process. So kind of demystifying or myth busting what it is, understand that it is a repeatable process that can be predictable. So now let's go to Erko and Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us on a rainy day. You're welcome. Great to be here. Um, Erko, why don't you first and then Jeff give us a little bit more about yourselves, who you are, how you got here, and why do you do this? Well, <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it was actually quite a formative thing going back, and I'll, I'll give you this the short story here, but I had a very hard time quitting smoking as a young man. Uh, I'd been in the Navy, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people smoked, and I tried a lot of things and failed, and basically was on the verge of giving up, but I had the good sense to observe what was really going on and found that what I really wanted wasn't a cigarette, that I wanted to satisfy some desire be it reduce stress or relieve hunger or uh, I remember that there was a really nasty petty officer I joined the Navy to get the GI Bill to go to mm-hmm. college and, and business school and uh, cigarettes were a great solution I thought for many of these problems but it turned out they really weren't and then when I started to understand the true need I was able to replace it with a better solution and over the course of a year I just supplanted those cigarettes with better solutions and uh, it's been fascinating to me to see this play out in pretty much every area of human life certainly with products and services is what I what I do now Mm -hmm. so the need is separate and distinct from the solution getting that clear is transformative for a lot of companies Mm -hmm. for a lot of people a lot of behavioral change be it Mm -hmm. obesity quitting bad habits smoking Mm -hmm. or innovation at the corporate level very cool. Thank you. I appreciate your sharing that. Jeff, how about you? Yeah, you know, I came to innovation uh, through my work at Microsoft. I mean, okay. in, in my career, it's always been anchored on customer insights, regardless mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. role. And I found myself working in, in the corporate research group at Microsoft. We, we were a very successful group. We grew up to be almost 100 full-time market researchers, uh, lots of incredibly high-powered talent there. Once we got to be that 
size of an organization, we started asking ourselves, what what service are we really giving to the corporation? You know, we're getting big enough. We better make sure we're we're doing the right things. And and after a fairly deep, you know, self-assessment, we kind of admitted to ourselves that a lot of the research that we were doing and a lot of the time that we were spending was sort of after all of the real decisions had already been made elsewhere in the company. And we were sort of just doing research that kind of counted things after the hmm. fact. Interesting. And at the same time, we started seeing indications in our product organizations that some of them were sort of losing their way. We saw some launches of products that were underwhelming compared to what they'd been in the past. We also saw development teams that would get 12 to 18 months into a development plan and just throw up their hands and say, we're not really sure why we're doing this and start over. And so as part of this process, we realized that we needed to come up with some new research methodologies to better inform those earliest stages of the product development cycle and help those people, those engineers, who are trying to be innovative, but more so from a technical perspective and not from a customer perspective. And so that's what we aspired to bring to the table. And so I ended up leading the effort to to identify the, the best practices around that type of research that we mm-hmm. wanted to start using and start experimenting with it. Um, and so that's how I got into innovation is that started mm-hmm. from a research perspective and I thought, oh, once we have the right research in place, all will be solved. And I quickly realized this is a whole discipline unto itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really just got hooked on it. Thank you for sharing that because that is certainly the business case, right? And the the first myth we're going to talk about busting that companies invest millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on research and it's magical, Right. I might as well just go get pixie dust. So, so tell us a little bit about the the how do we bust the first myth of only special people are creative and it only kind of works sometimes and we don't know why. Well, there are a number of different things there. I would say, first, just so the audience knows, Jeff and I have worked uh, with each other. He at Jeff at uh, NetJets and then at Microsoft uh, Project and then uh, together as consultants as well. Uh, so we were familiar with this approach. And I think uh, Theodore Levitt, the late, great Harvard Business School professor, Theodore Levitt, really said it best. He said that people don't want to buy a quarter-inch drill. They want a quarter-inch hole. And now a lot of people have heard that, but mm-hmm. I don't think they necessarily recognize the profound implications for innovation. If mm-hmm. you get clear what the task to be done is, that is making the quarter-inch hole, could be an emotional functional or even sometimes experiential task they're trying to get done. In this case, making a quarter inch hole. You can do that totally separate from the solution. The drill is just one solution. It could mm-hmm. be a punch, a pick, a laser. We may see it on our phones at some point. You can have a phone and it attaches to the wall and goes zip with a laser and you have a quarter inch hole. Yes. You don't need a <laughs> drill anymore. So the whole set of solutions is separate and distinct. And getting clear what is the task the customers are trying to get done and how do they measure success is really the key. And the sequencing is really critical. And if I'm, I may just give one example, I think the idea of medical malpractice uh, is a great analogy. Uh, Clayton Christensen wrote a, a terrific classic HBR mm-hmm. article called uh, Marketing Malpractice, making this analogy that in medicine it would be malpractice to give a treatment plan before doing the diagnosis and yet there's a big misbelief and I'll share I'll leave this one for Jeff <laughs> to address if, if you want to Jeff about what that belief is about the customers cannot 
uh, tell us what they want. But a lot of people... Of course they can tell you what they want. I'm assuming you have reasonably intelligent customers. Right. Sorry. Well, you know, it really depends on how you define the question. Okay. This is, this is where a lot of people go wrong, is that in thinking, well, people don't know what they want. It's because they're asking them what solution they want. Rather than what right? thing What is to the solve. thing that you're trying to accomplish? What is the problem that you're trying to solve? People know that night and day. They yes. know that cold. Yes. Um, it's just that, you know, they're, they're not engineers. They're not inventors. And mm -hmm. so they, and a lot of times they won't know what solutions might be possible that aren't available today, exactly but they right. certainly know what they're looking for. And that gives me an opportunity to talk about that famous Henry Ford quote that people love to knock around, particularly in companies that are moving into prototyping very quickly, the ideas very quickly. The Ford quote is, if people, if I'd asked people what they wanted, mm -hmm. they would have told me a faster horse. And that's often used as end of story, people can't tell us what they want. Obviously, that statement makes the case, but it's only half true, as Jeff is saying. It's true if you're asking about what's the best solution. But if you're asking what the, a better Results. question, how you ask the question is what yeah. Jeff was just saying, mm -hmm. is the key. If you ask, what would you like to accomplish using a horse? Mm -hmm. They could have said, plow a field, have fun with friends and family outdoors. Mm -hmm. Then also transport mm -hmm. freight. Right as around well as Central get, Park. Right. I mean, there are all kinds of things that you yeah. can understand, and you mm -hmm. could get criteria on, well, what would make plowing a field successful in your eyes? What were some of the criteria that you would use to measure? Is it getting done well? Mm -hmm. Those would be the, the criteria they could use to measure the value of an offering as well. I worked on one project only doing innovation work, and uh, so we interviewed a, a lot of people, in, and we were designing the next round of stud welders. And so we talked to people in ships who were welding, uh, submarines. They wanted to not blow up, right? Because <laughs> they're in knee-deep water and they need this piece of equipment that's electrical and emitting sparks and stuff right. to to work in an environment that would be treacherous for normal electrical equipment. And so that was an example of, for me, they knew how to answer the question with an outcome, but it took a skilled interviewer to ask the right yeah. questions, which yes, again says, exactly. I yeah. can't go off and do this by myself. I need to work with guys like you who have done this before in a way that's repeatable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. Yep. So what's the biggest impediment to innovation in today's organizations? Well, I would say, uh, talking about myth busting, um, certainly that myth that customers cannot tell us what they want. And um, I think the idea, the uh, belief also, another one is that innovation begins with a good idea. You'll hear that in StageGate mm, okay. companies, and that's the first part of the StageGate process. And it's, again, um, people seem to think that the idea, generate more ideas and some of them will be valuable. And really it's a horrible idea because it clogs up. I have a, a, another client, I'll keep nameless, but um, they implemented a stage gate. They generated all kinds of ideas from their employees and it overwhelmed the stage gate uh, owners. And mm. they just didn't know how to, to evaluate them because they didn't even have the criteria from the customer to do it. Now, that was, a, that was a big flaw. How can you evaluate ideas when the number one criteria for evaluating is the, what the customer wants? So often they're generating ideas without clarity about what the customer wants and then trying to evaluate them. So it's backwards. Yeah. That's a big one. 
Let me take it from a leadership perspective, because what I've observed is that Urko is totally right, that the mechanics and the process are hard to understand. Um, But the thing that I have found that is the biggest impediment is honestly a lack of courage from leadership. Because the thing is, innovation can be pretty threatening, right? it not only causes you to really be honest about the weaknesses in your current business and the potential threats, but it also introduces an input to the whole decision-making process that's a bit foreign, right? Mm-hmm. Because now if you're saying we have, a, we have a discipline that brings the customer front and center to the decision-making table, it's very difficult to argue with that. And so a lot of times at the executive decision-making table, they're like, well, how, how do I argue with the customer point of view here? And it becomes threatening. Especially if it conflicts with my point of view. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, right. Yeah. So this is a perfect time for break. And then I'd love to come back and understand a little bit more about what are the steps in the process. Because we're talking about where do ideas come from, customer research, how do I evaluate? Let's give just a quick walkthrough of what are those steps. Sure. So we'll be right back. Thank you. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guests today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, welcome back. We are joined by Erko Wood and Jeff Baker. And our subject is innovation today, product innovation. And the corollary leadership innovation, that as we change what we're delivering to our clients, often we need to change our leadership's mindset in transforming the organizations that deliver the products or services. So before break, we were talking about what is the process for innovation. So if you would, Erko, run us Mm -hmm. through just the basic steps. What Mm -hmm. does this look like? Well, I think uh, the first thing is to clarify who is your target customer. Okay. So a lot of, um, a lot of 
a lot of confusion exists about what is a market and getting clear about what the market is. And um, uh, my former employer did a great job of defining a market, and I think it's a good one, which is what is the target group of people and the task they're trying to get done? Okay. So it's very different. So, for example, I had an accounting client, and um, they do assurance or audits and tax, and they're looking for other revenue streams. But in reality, uh, what people want to get done with their capabilities, they're really selling financial and accounting capability is what they're selling. And what Mm -hmm. people are buying is getting certain financial and accounting tasks done. So it wasn't just about giving investors uh, assurance or Mm -hmm. reducing tax liabilities, but helping develop succession uh, plans for the leaders um, to improve their financial reporting to reduce the time it took to create a budget. There are a lot of financial and accounting tasks that companies struggle with that a lot of the public accounting firms are simply not addressing. So getting clear about the market, as in Mm -hmm. that case, CEOs, CFOs, and what they're trying to accomplish is critical so you can define what are the inputs Mm -hmm. you capture. Getting the tasks in the the statement totally independent of solutions, so making a quarter-inch hole totally independent of a solution, Mm -hmm. or getting financial accounting tasks done, what are they, is what I was capturing there. Put it into, you need to prioritize them somehow. You need to know what are the big ones. If I capture dozens of them, there needs to be an effective way to prioritize them. And a great way, depending on the need of the the client, is to put them into a web-based survey and determine which are highly important and unsatisfied. Mm, so anything okay. that's un, that's unimportant is major in the minors. There's no point in allocating mm-hmm. resources to help create value for a customer need task to be done that is unimportant. But if it's already well satisfied, maybe important, but already well satisfied, you're not going to get any competitive advantage by trying to create more value. This mm-hmm. is where delighting the customer as a mantra uh, is ineffective. If you look at that as a two by two, you know that were important satisfaction, high and low. Mm-hmm. We're talking about only one portion of that for that two by two. The highly important unsatisfied is where you can get opportunities for growth. So that's the key thing you want to get to is find those. So step one is identify my market? Identify your market as, a, as what they're trying to accomplish, okay. not in terms of solutions. And then second is prioritizing. Then you have to capture those, go out into the, so second is really capturing what their tasks are, okay. the criteria they use. And once you've completed that in the, def- in the defined market, now we can prioritize them to determine where are the important unsatisfied things they're trying to get done. So all this happens before I even start thinking about like innovating anything. Exactly. That's yeah. what's so important. Before you start generating ideas and solutions, mm-hmm. because you don't, you know, That's it's no coincidence that... Booze, it used to be Booze and Company, now it's Strategy uh, and uh, PWC, um, PCW, PwC. PwC. They purchased um, this company and now it's, Boo- now it's Strategy and. And they do a Global 1000 research study and it shows that the top 1000 companies that invest in R&D for 11 years straight have had no correlation between their R&D investments, either as a uh, percentage of the spending or in absolute dollars and innovativeness, which is quite shocking. I mean, R&D in a company should be delivering some benefit to the company. 
and it's not. And so it's, I think that's good evidence. Like you know, it's, you have to set something up and to prove mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's exactly uh, what I'm talking about. Is and Jeff and I are both talking about because the these companies are not clear in their R&D effort what the real customer need is, and they're launching into the technology side solution and and, and innovation. Sure. Yeah, I th- I think Ergo, if I could just riff off that a bit. Yeah, sure. Once you've identified where the opportunities are mm-hmm. in the marketplace, then you need to essentially decide on what your innovation strategy is, um, because you could a lot of times there may be opportunities that are not aligned well with your corporate objectives mm-hmm. or they don't really align well with your brand and so you should consciously choose we're not going to go try and mm-hmm. satisfy mm-hmm. those needs we're not going to enter that market but once you make those strategic decisions then you start getting into what people typically think of as the actual development process where you spend time building the different solutions that are specifically tailored to meet those needs that you've identified as being high opportunities and not well served today by today's solutions um, once you get into that development process, then you typically have a phase that comes back around to getting feedback um, from your target customer. Uh, you know, back back in my Microsoft days, I, I introduced this idea of not just doing a product concept test during development to sort of validate, is this a good idea? But once you get towards the back end of the development process, you also want to do something that we labeled anyway, product readiness testing. It's like, is is what we're almost done building did that actually live up to the original concept that we envisioned that was going to meet all these needs? And you really need customer feedback in order to do that. Okay, so what I hear then is, again, the customer feedback loop is a continuous loop. It's not a, you said you want this in a year and a half later. So yeah, almost building in the agile Particularly piece. once you get into the development process, then, you know, whatever the whatever methodology you want to label it with, some type of participatory design feedback mm-hmm. from owner from customers is is definitely an, an essential because you know I, i've seen a few examples of that where the engineers this particularly thinking back to my software days they they get somewhat enamored by the coolness of things yeah i was gonna say we fall right? in love with our stuff and yeah and so it, it can go off course fairly easily or you might find hey this is really hard oh well that feature wasn't that important to me yeah. right let's <laughs> you know and so there's this drift that happens yeah, during the yeah. development process and so you really have to keep yourself honest at the back end before you get ready to go to market is this product really ready and so the no. customer is the voice of honesty, absolutely. not not the yeah. person developing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but can I come back? I, everything I, I, Jeff says I'm totally in agreement with. I think an important point is to remember, again, there are two different spaces here, two different tasks, and keeping them different, keeping them clear mm-hmm. as different is, is critical. So there's the market or customer space, and then there's a solution space. And what we do, what we do at Reveal is uncover the need in a predictable manner. That's how we guarantee to find, to reveal those needs so mm-hmm. that the solution team can then hone in on what's really important. There's gonna be a lot of validation and iterative stuff in the solution space, but it doesn't mm-hmm. need and shouldn't be done in the customer space. So this is a big problem with the fail faster movement right now. Okay. People love to say fail faster. You hear it from even the best companies and a lot of so-called innovation gurus, but they're not making this distinction. And you're actually confounding two experiments if you're not clear about the customer need. You know, it's supposedly bringing science to Mm -hmm. 
uh, innovation. That's what Lean Startup is, is declaring. Mm-hmm. We're bringing science because they're doing experiments to see what works. But if you don't know what the customer need is and you don't know if the solution is good, you're actually confounding two experiments. Mm-hmm. In good science, you always have clarity about the customer need. And by the way, Thomas Edison always had clarity about the customer need. He, this has been substantiated by his great-grandniece, whom I've talked to about this in her book, Innovate Like Innocent. So people often talk about his famous quote, mm-hmm. um, I didn't fail 10,000 times, I just learned what couldn't be done. But he was talking about the solution, the efficacy of the solution. He was never talking about, is this actually a compelling unmet need? Very important distinction. Mm-hmm. Thank you for making that. So I'm going to reiterate yeah. and, and say it in my own words. Yeah. So you can correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> so, so in the innovation process, th- there are actually two processes. One, identifying and prioritizing customer needs. Correct. What what problem am I trying to solve? Yes. So, so I define that and I set it aside. Now I go and develop solutions. And this is my, I talk often about the leader as, as using the mind of the scientist. So I use similar language about leadership because also in my solution space, as a leader, I don't have all the right answers. Yes. I don't like fail fast. I like fail forward fast. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, dead scientists blow stuff up. <laughs> Good scientists don't. Okay. So, so we are in that solution space. We're continually hypothesizing, testing. And I hold that then against the customer expectations that I've identified. Yes. Right. And so so it's a continual. You have a target. You know what the solution should do. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. It's like the doctor who knows what the treatment plan should do. He's done the diagnosis. He now is looking for the best solution. There are breakthroughs. He needs to be constantly mm-hmm. up on the latest technologies. But he's not trying to prescribe something and then see if it works. He's doing the diagnosis. <laughs> Sometimes first. it seems like that's what happens. Well, you know, if you don't understand, if you don't, the one place, it's a good segue, the one place where launching something without getting clear about customer needs is when you do have a technology that is pretty cool, that does have some breakthrough uh, capabilities and you're not clear what can people do with this. Mm-hmm. Then it makes sense to put it out there and let people play with it and say, hey, this really helps me do X. Well, and that does seem like it happens a lot now with technology, right? We put stuff out on the web and see how people use well, it. Well, I guess that's right. Well, sure. In in that case, it's really revolutionized the way that you can fail forward rather quickly mm-hmm. because your development costs are so minimal, mm-hmm. right? And you can iterate so quickly in a digital world. So that has changed things quite a bit. I I do think that the the whole appeal that comes from you know the venture capital world about well, you know, our hit rate's going to be tiny, so let's fail as quickly as possible and move on. I do think that's a bit misguided. I, I think that, you know, what what Urko and I would, would certainly argue is that you you want to have a good target going in so that you increase your chances of success pretty dramatically uh, as opposed to just waiting a, until you build something and find out if anyone bites on it. Well, right. and that makes sense if there's a process. Right. If there's no yeah. process, then I just go right. get busy. Mm-hmm. But if there's a process to identify needs and match solutions, and I think, Erko, you said in, in or I said in your intro, 86% success rate. That's significant. That was with the former company Stratagen. They, they really pioneered something that I'm doing something mm-hmm. very similar of. Yeah, and it's because of the ability to get clear what is the target before any solutions are generated. When you have clarity about 
the target, that is what customers mm-hmm. are trying to get done, then the all the different solutions can be assessed according to how effective they'll be. You don't, uh, knowing what needs to get done. And this is causal. It's not a lot of research says we know that people of this age group are more likely to buy X. When you know what they're trying to get done, it's we're looking right at causality. If you help them mm-hmm. to get it done better, you're going to have a winning solution. If you help them get more things done, I mean, look at Uber. A lot of the things that have happened in digital is actually helping customers get something done better. Airbnb, it's easier, better, to you can stay a lot of places cheaper, more conveniently. Mm-hmm. Uber, you can get a ride quicker, cheaper. But it's also, of course, business model changes with the shared economy and people bringing in all those assets that were dormant. But these things, people talk about the customer needs changing. Actually, those customers' needs have not changed much. It's the solutions are continuing to evolve. Yeah, I get off an airplane and I need to get transport to a place to sleep to go to a business meeting. Right. And so transport and place to sleep haven't changed. For right. decades. Yeah. Since since I started flying. traveling for business yeah. <laughs> right. decades right. ago, <laughs> specifically. <laughs> so, so you mentioned Uber and Airbnb. Those are two of the most disruptive organizations. Yes. Can you say anything about innovation and disruption? Because it seems like good innovation is often disruptive, and yet it completely undermines entire industries. Yes. Right. Well, that, that's why I that's why I, I mentioned earlier this idea of um, it, it takes a lot of courage to innovate uh, because you you have to recognize as a business leader that you know in essence what you're trying to uncover is the way that you would kill your own company, right? Because somebody else is trying to do that right now, no matter what business you're in. And so you have to be willing to step outside and realize, oh, this is really shaky ground because what's going to happen if we figure this out? Because there's all kinds of disruption to our current revenue streams and our products. The, the tough reality is that somebody else will do it if you don't do it. Um, and so that's why I, I, I think courage is just essential. You know, it really, really makes sense when you put it in that context, Jeff. And um, I, it brings home a belief of mine as well, and that is that, you know, you hear a lot of different strategies about how to adapt to digital disruption. And I think what gets lost often is what, uh, well, what Theodore Levitt called marketing myopia, people, it's so easy to, to fall in love with our stuff, as you said, mm-hmm. and our, you know, particularly for a company that has been extremely successful with a particular platform, service, or technology, to then even consider that it has to go away. That's what I hear you talking about because, mm-hmm. you know, those Airbnb, Uber, Skype, I'm all these different things, they're disruptive because they are making those previous platforms, the current mm-hmm. platforms, yeah. uh, obsolete. And if you don't have clarity about what the customer's trying to get done and the criteria they use to measure success and define your business according to that, you're going to be holding on very tightly to your platform and right. to your service and Yeah, products. I mean, we, I, I, I distinctly remember how addicted we were at, at Microsoft to a couple of key tenants. It's like, well, you know, our core business gets 90% gross margins. Well, that's the only type of business we're interested in. There's been like one business ever that achieved that, right? But and only like for a that, short period yeah, of time. But if that's your blinder, then you just ignore everything else. Or if you say, well, we're not a hardware company. Well, that's why Microsoft's not much of a consumer player today, because they just hung on to, we're not a hardware company for too long until they realized, well, that wasn't a very good idea, because look what Apple's done to us, right? Yeah. In the consumer markets. 
Right. You know, if we right. think to Clayton Christensen's book and, and that idea that we have to continually disrupt ourselves, back, Jeff, to your yeah. point, that if we're not, our competitors will, and we're better positioned to manage the transition if we do it to ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, we have, we're only in reactionary mode. Yep. And can't control the message, the timing, the, the outcome. Yep, completely. Yep. And with the rate of technology change, back to the Ray Kurzweil quote, 20,000 times more technology changed this century than last. So we all will get disrupted. The question is when and how mm -hmm. much. Yeah. So let's use this as a point to go to break. We are with um, Jeff Baker and Erko Wood talking about innovation. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one -on -one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You are listening to Maureen Metcalf, Erko Wood, and Jeff Baker talking about demystifying the innovation process and ensuring that it drives strategy and return on investment. So let's talk a little bit about companies building a culture of innovation. And this is important to me because, again, I mentioned I, early in my career, did more of the business evaluation on new product development. And what was interesting is we would deliver something really cool and profitable, and yet companies weren't willing to reinvest even a portion of the profits to get the next innovation in the pipeline. It was always curious to me why success wasn't perpetuated in that way in the innovation space like it is in other areas. Sure. Yeah, I, I think of it, there's, there's a few key steps involved when you start thinking about how to build this uh, culture of innovation. I mean, first of all, 
you, you do really need a clear, clearly defined role for leadership, right? They are going to be the wellspring of whether or not this succeeds yeah. or not. So you have to start there and make sure that your top executive leaders understand their role in supporting it. Then you, you also need to get them to invest, just like you were describing, invest in building a functional capacity and competency within the organization, not just to do one project, mm -hmm. but to create this stream of projects. Um, and then I think the other key thing is making sure that that you develop a portfolio approach because all flavors of innovation are not the same. It kind of borders on one of the one of the myths type topic is that innovation is just like the next sliced bread and nothing else. But that's really not it. There's a whole bunch of innovation that you can do that's quite incremental but hugely effective. And so you want a certain part of your portfolio to be focused on that, and then you want a certain smaller por pro or portion of your portfolio to be focused on those much bigger uh, uh, ideas that can have a breakthrough effect on the company. Right? So that's the next iPhone. Yeah, sure, exactly. But then there's also using my iPhone and putting music on it. Yeah. So yeah. that's the more incremental. That's right. In fact, I, I often say in some of the work that Erko and I have done in the past is that what we actually found was not one big idea, but we found 10 to 15 little ideas for improvements that taken together added up to a, a pretty big breakthrough. Uh, and so that's the way I often think about it. Um, one of the other key things that I think is really important culturally is that ultimately you have to get down to integrating this into your hiring strategy as well, because this this is a unique mindset. Innovation is not something that comes naturally to everyone. Uh, and there are actually, just like for many other skill sets, there are profiles that, that you can use to help identify people who are more likely uh, to be good innovators. And you want the, the right mix of them at the right places in your company. So as, in terms of a really long-term strategy, you really need to integrate it into your hiring plans as well. So I, I've read and worked in organizations, some innovative and some not. I, and one of the things that I'm reading recently is this kind of almost bimodal. So we've got the people who are good at innovation, and we've got people who are good at running the business, delivering the stuff, and that could be in anywhere from accounting and IT to the, I, I use the example of the guy at the help desk. Mm -hmm. He needs to keep, he or she need to keep answering the phone and fixing stuff that breaks while you're off changing the world. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? That's the the quote unquote, it's everyone's job phenomenon, right? You can say that about innovation. I often hear people say, well, service is everyone's job or sales is everyone's job. Innovation is not everyone's job. Ah, it it okay. is not. That's not to say that everyone doesn't likely have some role to play, but it's not everyone's job because like we've been talking about, there's a lot of discipline specific expertise that goes into driving this. There's a lot mm -hmm. of mindset that makes you a it makes you unique if you're if you're you know sort of destined to be an innovator so you you only need a small group of those people inside of your company so when you say a culture of innovation that means i've got the innovation department in essence the leadership team who is all has a mindset of innovation. I've got the the innovation department that collaborates with the entire organization. And then I have an organization that has maybe a culture of implementing the innovations that are, so it's more of an implementation, run the business, operational excellence yep. focus. Yeah, that, that, is, that is in general the way I have seen it structurally work the best. 
But one other thing that we'd be remiss not to mention in terms of the, the cultural piece is that mm-hmm. you do need to make sure that it's not viewed as something way off in the corner, disconnected from the rest of the way the company operates. So I, I like to refer to it as you, you need to tie innovation into the rhythm of the business in, mm-hmm. in terms of its corporate calendar and when strategy reviews happen and, and other things like that. So that there's a home for this new and cool stuff mm-hmm. in the existing product lines or in the existing functional parts of your business uh, so that it integrates well. Because you do, because it, like I had mentioned earlier, because to some people it can be a bit threatening for various reasons, uh, there can be a not invented here phenomenon where if it's, if the innovation function is too separate from the core existing business, Mm -hmm. you can have trouble getting those new ideas, new products, new services integrated into the people who will ultimately own them long term. You know, it's interesting as I, I've worked in the space of org transformation for a long time, and what I hear people still saying is, well, once we get this thing done, we'll have a, a time of, you know, rest and integration mm-hmm. I, compared to now the, the idea that we will have multiple concurrent changes. I'm assuming multiple mm-hmm. concurrent changes in the world will then bump into me as a company and my innovation team and my leadership team should continually be looking at what what's next that we're going to feed into the system. So I'm continually mm. talking to customers, yes. understanding their needs, and then my innovation department is continually looking at solutions. Absolutely. Yes, yes. I agree with what Jeff is saying and uh, in the sense that the idea that innovation is everybody's business is often overstated. I would say that I think I think you, you can tell me if you both agree, but it's really important for the leadership to establish the right values that are customer focused. So um, there is a respect for um, questions, you know, to to model the courage that you were talking about, Jeff, both at the leadership level and throughout, mm-hmm. to ask questions about is our solution going to be viable in this with this new technology coming out, whatever those tough questions are. The leadership is responsible for creating the values that people live with. That's what a culture is, right? It's. Mm-hmm. I heard it said that the culture is defined by what's acceptable. It's the so, agreements. It's the agreements, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's that's one thing. But I think um, it's also important to empower people who are dealing with customers to constantly be looking for ways to do it better. So that that's a part where I think. It's very helpful to have them focused on as a part of the culture, have them focused on what is the customer trying to accomplish Mm -hmm. in what you deliver and are you delivering it to the best of your ability for them to get what they're trying to get done, done extremely well. If we think of the old Malcolm Baldrige criteria, there were seven categories, Mm -hmm. one was customer, and to get a high score on customer, I had to continually be getting customer feedback, and that customer feedback had to go someplace, right? It wasn't that I stuck a note under a door in a room that was unoccupied, mm, which, right, which was kind right. of our joke. Like, yeah, I ask my customers what they want, and then I ignore those comments. Right. Yeah. So, so there has to be a systematic approach to collect customer feedback, and the person who's interacting with the customer should be continually giving us information. Yes. That then goes to somebody who who's integrating it into the ongoing solutions that, again, are, are matching up with your customer research. Right. So if, if this were to work well, which it often doesn't, 
the company's employees should have clarity about what their customers, wherever they're mm-hmm, interfacing, mm-hmm. are trying to accomplish with their output. And any idea should be reframed, just as I was mm-hmm. saying, reframe mm-hmm. the market in terms of instead of solutions into what is the customer trying to accomplish. That's what every cust- that's what every um, employee should mm-hmm. be asked to do if they're going to be involved in innovation. What exactly are you helping the customer to accomplish better that they can't right now? So instead of giving me an idea, tell me what is it that you're going to be helping that customer get be- done better than they can now. And NetJets, Jeff works at NetJets. I, my knowledge of them is incomplete, but they have an exceptional reputation at the people interacting with customers are amazing at understanding customer requirements and finding solutions to that, whether it's getting a family to visit a sick relative and there wasn't a, a contract for that many people on a plane right. or skis or everyone to the memorial tournament on the same minute in the same place and getting them transport and with all their golf clubs right. and skis and stuff. Yeah, that's that's actually, that's been one of my, my more pleasant surprises uh, since joining NetJets. I've been there just, just about four years now, but is that the, the culture there of going the extra mile to deliver that extraordinary level of service. It runs very deep. There, there are people, uh, there are people there, you know, who've, who've been there a long time, 10, 15, 20 years. We have a lot of employees who are really committed mm-hmm. to this. And frankly, the, the, the one thing that I've just tried to introduce as I, you know, think about some of the innovation and learning that I've accumulated over time is to, to take that energy and just harness it a bit more because mm-hmm. it, you know if there's one thing that like we have uh, to still improve upon, it's the idea that right now we we rely a little bit too much on the individual initiative, this sort of superhuman effort, and that's yeah. going to ebb and flow, right? Yeah. And so what we're trying to do is build build more systematic processes mm-hmm. and structure to help channel all that energy so that. It results in in greater you know effectiveness more consistently Consistent process. Uh, all the time. I love that, and if I may add one thing, a colleague of mine uh, has been uh, pioneering a concept of pioneering. She's written a couple of books on noble purpose, selling with noble purpose, and leading with noble purpose. And mm-hmm. I love that phrase. I think that captures you know one of the things that captured my attention with this helping customers get tasks done is it because it takes the mission of the company out of we're doing service X or product Y into we're helping customers. So it's really focused Mm -hmm. on the customer. And when you clarify your mission as a noble purpose, I think that really energizes people to think about how can I help this customer get this task done. What a great way to end the conversation. I want to go to both of you so you can share your contact information. Okay. So let's start with Arco. Erco, yes. Uh, the website is, is revealgrowth.com, and the email is uw at revealgrowth.com. So for UW as in Erco Wood. Correct, at yes. At revealgrowth.com. Sure. Uh, you, can, you can reach me if you're interested. Uh, just shoot me an email. I'm at Jeff Bake, J-E-F-F-B-A-K-E, at theigigroup.com. Okay, so again, Jeff Bake at theigigroup.com. And I'm Maureen Metcalf, and my contact information is info at metcalf-associates.com. And please send us any questions you have. I'm also happy to 
connect you again with Erko and Jeff. So let's do a little bit of summary of the content that we talked about today. And I'm going to try to do this from from memory of our conversation. So we'll see. Correct me again if I'm not getting this right. So the first is that innovation is not some mystical process that or mystical experience that I go off into the woods and you know stand out and hope to be hit by <laughs> right. lightning. Yeah. But that that it has two primary components. So Erko talked about first understanding the customer output. What problem do I need solved? It's I need holes, not drills. Correct. And so the image yes. of my cell phone making holes in the wall is <laughs> I do a lot of home improvement projects being in a house built in 1927, so I like that idea. Good. So it's solving my problem and then going to my customer solution team or my internal innovation team or my external innovation Correct. team. Correct, yeah. And developing solutions that I that I continually bounce against my customer expectations having prioritized the criteria. Yes. Yeah, right. Now, the one the one clarification, I would prefer the term the results the customer wants okay. than expectations. Okay. They only can have expectations based on their experience to date. And it's usually expectations when when we talk about expectations, it's on what they have experienced in solutions. And I guess, of course, that front piece is really all about what are the results they want. So it, expectations is really about solutions. Results is about what they're trying to accomplish. Okay, so I need to understand what they're trying to accomplish. Correct, yes. Okay, then adding to that, we need to have a culture of innovation. So given the rate of change we're facing right now, it is no longer acceptable to kind of sometimes do innovations when we have a good idea, but we have to create a pipeline or a portfolio, some looking at the big ideas and some looking at the series of small transitions. And then the other is I need to have a leadership team with a mindset of ongoing transformation, that the way right, we right. thrive and stay ahead of our competition is is to be willing and looking for the next innovation modeling the culture investing in the processes so that suite of starting with leaders creating a culture investing in processes and customer research that creates innovative companies that are going to be successful long term so thank you both Very for good. joining me and yeah, really enjoyed it thank you thank you Enjoy your day. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.